I met the criteria to be selected. That one. Ladies and gentlemen, we back. Good evening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the uh, the new, another new intro to Met the Criteria. Um, Ethan, our uh, mixer extraordinaire, has been busy in the studio. It's it's Vincent's turn this time to, to get a little bit of the rip taken out of him with the intro. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, uh, back again. Jared here, uh, taking the lead this week. Although I say taking the lead, I sort of, I want you, listeners, I want you to think of me this time as, as somebody who's taken a driving lesson because alongside with me, I've got effectively two driving instructors, uh, both experts at doing U-turns. And they've both had to perform incredible U-turns in their basketball fandom recently. We're going to get into that, but let's get usual co-host here with me, Theo. Um, how are you this fine Sunday evening? I'm doing very well. I was just uh, not enjoying watching the Knicks get beat probably for the first time, maybe all season, maybe in my in my in my fan, NBA fandom, the one time I've enjoyed the Knicks lose and I've not enjoyed it. So to be honest, the fact I've had to come away to that to, from that to do the pod, probably a blessing. So thanks for thanks for that. No problem, no problem. We appreciate you having me here as always, um, and also alongside us this week, uh, Vincent has flown his way to South Africa at a moment's notice. So we hope he's having a lovely holiday. Um, so we thought, what what better guest to have on than a man whose NBA fandom has been flipped upside down, turned around in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Not quite, but he, he supports the team, the Philadelphia 76ers. It's UK 76ers himself, Ben. Nice to have you back with us, Ben. How are you keeping? I'm doing fantastically well, yeah. Um, I'm currently watching that same Knicks game, but with a contrasting feeling. The Sixers are up eight points, and I'm watching just a lovely Embiid and James Harden, James Harden duo, which it's just been a really good time to be a Sixers fan. You're having fun watching those time. free throws, mate. You're enjoying the, the free oh, throws. I love it. Uh, the Philadelphia free throwers. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it's box office. Yeah, I didn't realise actually that the 76 uh, means the average number of free throws that the, the that go in their average the rest of the season. So there you go. You learn every day to school there. Uh, but yeah, no, great to have you back with us, Ben. Um, like we say, what better guest to have on after uh, the, the mega trade that's happened recently. Um, we'll, we'll kick things right off there. Listeners, I said to the boys before, before we started recording, my role here is to, to kick it to Ben and let Ben and Theo just go back and forth and all the machinations of the trade, uh, the what's been happening afterwards in terms of, you know, from Theo's point of view, what's his thoughts from Ben Simmons' back soreness? From Ben's point of view, how was he enjoying watching James Harden teach Joel Embiid to do that step back and get called for a travel? All these things. Ben, let's start with you. What what were your initial feelings on the trade? Can you even put that into words for us? It was just, I mean, it was the final day of the trade deadline and deadline day in basketball was actually good. And it was fantastic. You know, the chat was kicking off. There was things happening here, there, and then we went. And I felt there was an air of inevitability about it, but it was always, how is this going to be constructed? So obviously it'll be Simmons. Obviously it'll be Harden. But what are the extra pieces in play here? You see it come in. Overwhelmingly, I'm like, absolutely, you know, over the moon. We've got James Harden. I'm delighted. And then, you know, below it says Seth Curry goes, okay, bit of a shame. What can you do? Um, but no, it's just been a fantastic time to be a Sixers fan. Um I really can't complain at all. And, and we're seeing it with the, re- the rewards are getting reaped already. I mean, we're, this is a second game and my word, they look next to unstoppable. But the trade itself, 
I had absolutely no issues with it. Maury waited and waited and waited. And we had all these people telling me, they said, no, you just got to take Brogdon. No, you should just take CJ McCollum. No, you should just take Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant and a few picks. What is he doing? What is Maury doing? He's a clown. He got to get Bet Simmons out of here. We get James Harden and then it turns again. You get, what if oh, they've been fleeced? What are they doing making this trade? You can't please everybody, but I can tell you for sure, Philadelphia 76ers fans are having an absolutely fantastic time right now. I can imagine. So, um, got to give you a lot of props as well. Um, ben has yet to burn his Ben Simmons Philadelphia jersey. It's actually obviously this is our audio only. But this, it's in the background. We can see it. He keeps covering it with his head. I don't know if that's intentional or whether it is just he's, he's maybe moving. He's just trying to block out that memory. <laughs> but, but yeah, credit to you, Ben, for not setting up setting up a Ben Simmons effigy and, and sticking that jersey on there. <laughs> It'll go soon enough. As soon as I can get a hard one in then it's going to be happy days. It's going to be a lot nicer looking here. Yeah. But as we've alluded to before, there's a lot of struggles for whatever reason buying NBA merch hmm. um, of late, especially in the UK. So um, until that time, it's going to have to stay up there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but you mentioned there about um, uh, Seth Curry, obviously going in the trade, um, Andre Drummond also, and a couple of picks. Um, in hindsight, do you, do you think that the loss of Steph Curry um, would you have preferred to maybe see a tie-ball and pips combination go, or are we happy with Curry being the sort of main second piece alongside Simmons? Would you say? Yeah, I, I you know, ideally, because <laughs> if you had to make the salaries work, Harden's on a fair bit more than Simmons. You had to get that ten million in somewhere. So you're looking at realistically, I would say Danny Green. Um, but you're not going to accept Danny Green. He is pretty solid. He's a good role player, but you're not going to take Danny Green. You're going to be like, we'll want Seth Curry if you're going to have to give us 10 million or, of a player. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, with Seth, he was fantastic for us. And I think he's doing very well for, for Brooklyn. I watched a bit of, um, yes, um, last night's game. And he looked like, you know, he's doing Seth Curry things. He's, you know, really solid um, three-point shooter, of course. A solid mid-range shooter as well. That really slips under the radar. But from the mid-range, he's doing fantastically well. Um but yeah, it's a shame to see him go. Andre Drummond, uh, the best backup big Embiid has had. Um, but the thing is, rebounding, effort, being a relatively solid post defender, that's stuff that can be picked up quite easily um, in the offseason, in the buyout market. Look, we, we just got Willie Cauley-Stein, who is overall just not a brilliant player, but can he do a fairly solid enough job for the eight to ten minutes he's going to need to do? Yeah, yeah, he can. And that's the thing. Drummond's good, but he's really, really replaceable. So the actual contents of the trade, I wish him all the best, of, um, unless, you know, they're against the Sixers, of course. But, like, I think they've, they've done fantastically well for us, and I think they'll do really well for Brooklyn. It's a trade where both teams win, as far as I'm concerned. Both teams do win, and I know often in the media, they want to make it who who won, who lost. Both teams won. I, I, I firmly believe that. We'll get to the intricacies of it, I'm sure, but I firmly believe both teams won here. Yeah, love it. Yeah, definitely in agreement with you there. Um, Theo, I'll come to you um, with a couple of weeks of, of, of hindsight. Have you, have your hate, has your hatred for James Harden, has it mellowed ever, ever so slightly or, or what? I'd like to say yes, but honestly, it's just intensified. Um, seeing James Harden, how well he's performed in, seven, in a 76ers uniform, really just underlines how badly he gave up on Brooklyn. Not just in the last couple of weeks, as, as maybe we initially thought, but really all season long. The big man, he's got, he's got five steals so far against the Knicks tonight. I don't think he's got five steals from the Nets all year. He has been torrid on the defensive end all season. Minimal effort, if you can even use the word effort. 
I mean, he's, he's been pathetic defensively because he's just through a lack of trying. Offensively, very much the same sort of story. The, the guy absolutely sold in Brooklyn and there's no getting around it, I think, at this point. Nets fans were clinging on to a little bit of hope that, oh, it was his hamstring or he was getting used to the, the, the rule changes. But there was reports coming out of the, the Nets camp now that he'd, he was he was in, he had Philadelphia on his mind back in training camp. So even before, even before any of this with Kyrie Irving kicked off, James Harden had already had his head turned. So the fact that he's been as bad, well, not as bad, he's been by his standards, played poorly. And even some in some games, actually downright bad. I mean, I can't get away from that Sacramento game where he had his four points and he, he, is, he was looked like an absolute shell of the superstar player that he's capable of being. Um, the, the fact that a, a professional sportsman can resort to intentionally being that bad in order to orchestrate a move away from a team really just fills me with like an ins- insatiable kind of rage that I just don't ever see going away. And I, I turned the Knicks game on before because I just wanted to see how they were getting on. And, and I was rooting for the Knicks, like I say, probably for the first time in my life. Um, and just seeing his stupid beardy face hitting, actually sinking step back threes, like instead of just doing running out the clock and doing a lazy ISO step back at the end of it just for the no nothing else to do not no one else to pass to might as well just do awful ISO like just seeing him play like an actual proper basketballer just made me so angry and I don't think that'll ever change just seeing the way that he gave up on Brooklyn I just I can't put into words really the way that it makes me feel but. If there was a word to do it, it would probably be angry. And I think it's going to be like that for the for a very long time. And I wish him nothing, honestly, nothing but the worst. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's get, let's give you something positive to talk about, Thee. Then uh, talk to me about uh, how Seth Curry and Andre Drummond have got on so far. You got you got to have appreciated Drummond's block against Giannis uh, Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. So I think Seth Curry is probably better than James Harden. Uh, he's a better three-point shooter. Uh, probably be- better in the mid-range. Uh, maybe not quite as good at drawing free throws, but uh, all in all, I'd say, yeah, the Seth Curry experience has been an overall positive compared to, I think, James Harden's last uh, sort of six months in Brooklyn. I'm joking, of course I am. But am I, though? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm an element of seriousness. But yeah, Seth Curry's been brilliant. Uh, like, like Ben said, he's just come in and done exactly what he's been doing all season. What he's quietly been doing so over the last couple of years, he's such a reliable three-point shooter. Um, really good in the mid-range. He'll fit right in, in, the Bro- in Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn have got four out of the five best mid-range shooters in the league this season. So Seth will just slot right, right in there alongside KD and, and LMA and... and Carry uh, Irving's not even on that list, but I'm sure he probably would be if he got the if he gets the the, the reps. What I would so, say, yeah. is just let, I could just piggyback off that. Curry's on a really nice deal as well. Really, really good contract. One of the best, I think, in terms of value for money in the NBA, mm-hmm. and that's going to be invaluable for you guys. Yeah, it's huge. I think he's got another year left as well, hasn't he? So he's got got that to go next year, and then I'd love to see him stay in, in, in Brooklyn. I mean. I'm definitely going to be getting a Curry 30 jersey with the uh, with the Nets logo on the front, and I'm going to tell I'm going to tell my kid, yeah, Curry played in Brooklyn, and he he doesn't need to know, he doesn't need to know which one. Um, but yeah, no, so Seth's been fantastic. Drummond adds a lot of what the Nets have been lacking for a, a long time, really. Even back when they had um, they had Jarrett Allen. He was still, he was like lanky Jarrett Allen. He wasn't like strong Jarrett Allen that we're starting to see now. Not, he wasn't the sort of dominant force that, that, that Drummond is. And no, he doesn't have any sort of outside game. And 
he, he can be maybe surprisingly suspect at finishing around the rim for a man of his size, but he adds the the rebounding that the Nets have sorely lacked. He's a, he's an okay interior defender. Um, he, and that block against Giannis was was huge last night. So seeing the glimpses of what the Nets have been lacking is, is exciting to see. And, and realistically, the fact that the Nets were able to come away with that win against the Bucks, I, we wouldn't have done that, quite frankly. We wouldn't have done that without Seth and, and Drummond. If we had Harden in that situation we would have lost. I can say that with almost absolute certainty. So I think it definitely has addressed some of the needs that the Nets have been lacking. Of course, we've not seen Simmons yet. That's only going to be another positive, you'd have to hope, um, overall. So while it, it hurts losing Harden, knowing that Harden had no sort of loyalty whatsoever, um, is in fact just a giant rat. I'm glad to see the back of him. And I think I would have preferred to have Maxi involved in the deal, but if uh, for all intents and purposes, he was off limits. Certainly seemed to be the case. So I'm certainly happy with uh, with Seth's contribution so far. And, and Drummond, like I say, is uh, like a big man we don't have in Brooklyn. So all things considered, I've, I've got to be happy, I think, with uh, the way things have turned out for us. I, I think, you know, it's really, it's really quite... I find it quite funny, you know, you're you're telling us about how 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 happy you are to get rid of this rat, this guy, this quitter. Do do you know the person who, who you're getting in return? <laughs> do you know what he's been doing for the last nine months? Well, he's been quitting to a, a, a more egregious level, I think. You think so? My issue, my issue with with James Harden is that. James Harden had earned a lot of, of goodwill amongst the Nets fans. Last season in the playoffs, playing through that injury, really gave it gave his all, really showed he was willing to put his body on the line to try and win in Brooklyn. So he built up yeah. a lot of good favour. The Nets fans loved Harden and he completely for, for sake, forsook all of that. Oh, I want to go and meet up with Daryl. want to go and play with Embiid in Philadelphia. And then just absolutely sold on the team. Minimal effort, not trying, like... Yeah, it's just all, all, all in all, just a poor showing, I think, from Harden. The fact that Simmons, yes, has... He's not turned up. He's not reported for duty. Like, and obviously, plenty's been said about the, the speculation around his mental health. I'm not going to get into any of that. But, no, but the, yeah. ultimately, the fans turned on Simmons long before the Simmons turned his back on, on Philadelphia. And I think that's the difference for me. Yeah. Certainly the way it appears from the outside yeah. looking in. I, I think the thing is, like, so firstly, with regards to the Simmons mental health thing, I, I, I'm in completely, uh, completely agreeing with you guys. I, I feel there shouldn't be any speculation, and I think you should always give him benefit of the doubt. And uh, if there is anything lingering with that, I really hope he, everything gets sorted for him. I truly, truly mean that. Um, but I think that Philadelphia, the fans get a bad rep, um, and it's on what you can see how this is, you know, come to fruition in previous years. They're, they're nutcases. They're cold-hearted they just completely disrespect their own when really no the thing is you know the, there was the faults situation and it almost got chased out of philadelphia by these fans we gave faults nothing but support the whole way through even when we knew deep down he wasn't going to cut it we were doing our utmost to make sure he was you know you know rally behind him and really boost him simmons there was everyone everyone in the nba be that media fans whatever they were criticizing him left right and center and it was always the sixers fans that were coming to his aid coming to defense saying well he's really good at this he's really good at that you know he's improved on the defensive end just give him time you know backing the guy it was it was an army of sixer fans backing the guy and swatting away all these insults um on social media and then push came to shove another atlanta game when we just the penny dropped and we're like look you need to change and improve your game. We're, it was almost like you have to have that frank word that, you know, to the point, this needs to happen. And then as soon as we have that, after all the help and support we've given him, 
no, I don't want to, no, I, I don't want to be involved anymore. I, I don't want to be part of this team. And it, that's the annoying thing. You know, you're getting it from draft day, you know, when you, when it's your own guy, when it's someone you've drafted, you, you hold on to them and support them a bit more than in your, your average player. And he got that support. He was the marquee player. He was the second guy. He was the all-star. He was the duo. And as soon as the going got tough, they got going. <laughs> that, that was a simpler thing with Ben Simmons. And I think that's the frustration we had with the guy. And he didn't even take the court. Well, at least Harden will give you four points. It's four points more than Ben Simmons gave us all season. Um, fair enough. I mean, like you say, when when it's when it's one of your homegrown players, you do sort of have much more of an, uh, an, an affinity to him. Of course you do. And I think that's probably true throughout the league. And... It was a shit. I mean, I can only see what the the rest of the league sees. You've got a different insight from inside the Sixers fan base, but it certainly seemed. I mean, to have fans marching around the the city of Philadelphia with placards saying like Ben Simmons get out of town. We hate Ben Simmons. Not even at a basketball court, just just on the streets. I mean, it certainly doesn't sound like a fan base that has ever shown any kind of support. Well, and if they have this- shown support, how does that how does that translate to then? Right. How do we get from supporting the guy to marching with placards saying, get out of Philadelphia? So this is assuming the, the rumour that the Philadelphia fans were gathered outside our trading facility with various placards. And, you know, that rumour that was uh, spread by Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. That, I mean, they wouldn't have a narrative. They're, they're, they're only going to deliver the God's honest truth, aren't they? <laughs> and, uh, Listen, inevitably, they, 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 people, people will fall through the cracks, and that's in every single fan base, in every single sport. They are just moronic fans. And I don't doubt that there's some that have gone over the line and done something really stupid. I'm not saying that. But you've got to take everything with a pinch of salt. And I hate to sound like the world's against us sort of vibe, but people love to have a go at Philadelphia fans, be that Eagles, be that Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, whichever sport, they love having a crack at Philadelphia fans. It's such easy money. It's such easy headlines. And there's a great opportunity for people to really cash in on a nice little headline where they, you know, muddy the truth a bit, make up something, something that benefits Rich Paul, something that benefits Ben Simmons. And look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do think there's something that's not quite... The whole truth hasn't been told. That's what that's what I would say. Yeah. To be fair, I think that has even hit us in the UK. We've discussed in the past about how Philadelphia is, you know, one of the, the hardest cities to play in and the fans are brutal and all that kind of thing. And I've, I've said that on the pod in the past myself. I don't know that to be true. That's just what, what I've got. I mean, mate, we, we talk about narrative, don't we? It comes into to all sorts of things. It comes into the MVP race, which we'll get to later in, in the episodes. It comes into these kind of trades, who won the trade, all that kind of thing. They want to spin it one way or another. I'm sure there is certainly a narrative with regard to the to the Philadelphia area, the Philadelphia fans and that kind of thing. Um but look, Ben, we we see that you are you are not one of those moronic seventy six fans. I think that's I fair to say. You, you've set, certainly presented some some balanced uh, balanced thoughts on this trade and and the impact that it's had on both sides, and you know wished all the guys moving on the best. Um, but I think I'm going to give you an opportunity to be imbalanced. Uh, what what have you seen from Harden so far, and how much of a of an impact do you think he can have on this team's championship aspirations? What, what? What I've seen from Harden is everything you expect from Harden, but it's still so unbelievable when you see it solely because Sixers for the last however long have missed that, you know, that ball carrying guard who can create his own shot and, you know, 
bring others into play. Um, obviously, Ben Simmons could do part of this, but not all of this. And you've got someone who can do the whole thing now. And it's almost, you sat there and just like, is this correct? Is this Philadelphia 76ers? It's just so, it's not in our sort of DNA to have a player like that. Not for, not for, you know, decades almost at least. And to see this now and see, you know, what's happening at such an early stage, it, it really is just so, 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 so exciting. Naturally, there are a few teething problems, not for Harden and Bede and Maxi. They've got on fantastically well, but noticeably Tobias. Um, look, whether or not we win a championship won't fall on whether or not Tobias Harris gets 15 to 20 points a game. Obviously, it'll be nice if it will, but it's going to fall on how did James Harden and Joel Embiid play. If they play fine, it doesn't really matter. But he's, he's had a few issues. Um, I do expect him to maybe be off in the summer just for someone better in terms of fit. Um, but it's just been fantastic. The city's been lifted. Obviously, I'm not in the city. I, I'm in England. But you can feel just from the, the clips you see um, of people at the arena, of people, you know, of down the, the main high street in Philadelphia, the, the fan base on Twitter. Obviously, that's a good, decent barometer to go off. Everyone's just been lifted because there's a real sense. We've always thought, yeah, we've got a good team. And maybe if we get, get a bit lucky here, or maybe there's an injury there, we may be able to get to the conference finals. Um, we saw what happened last time out. But there was always a few sort of maybe we get there. And this is the first time I believe we could do it. We could really, really do it. And I, I would believe that even more um, come next season, because naturally because you have more time to mesh and you can make a few more off-season moves. But it's just uh, the whole place. Been lifted. I, I, I sort of, obviously I, I watch my basketball all the time, but my excitement for games is just heightened so much. I just love watching these guys play and it's, Oh, it's just fantastic. I, th- I think I'm just run out of words to actually describe how brilliant it is to be a Philadelphia 76ers fan right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Tobias Harris there. I'd love to, to get your thoughts on where do you see in an ideal world in an off season, who would you you'd rather see some maybe in, in that role? Is there a name around the league that you think, oh, I'd, lo- I'd love him to play the, the forward position for us? So Atlanta have two power forward to our, I would love any one of these two. And it go, they're quite different in how they play. So you've got John Collins, who's really a really good three-point shooter. Everyone forgets he's actually a pretty solid three-point shooter. And all we need someone at the four to do is just sit in the corner, take a few, few three-point shots. And to almost make up for the fact that Embiid isn't the best diver in the pick and roll. He's a good pop, he's good at cart and pop. But in terms of diving to the rim and having that explosive finish, he's not quite there. You could get John Collins and you can get John Collins in, in that pick and roll and also has an ability to shoot. I think that'd be great, but I'm trying to figure out how that package would work. And I'm not sure Atlanta would be too keen on taking Tobias because John Collins works fantastically well on the Trey Young pick and roll. The other one was to be Danilo Gallinari. Now, there's less of that pick and roll action, but he can create his own offense to an extent if we absolutely needed him to. Really solid mid-range shooter. Obviously, he's lights out from three, and he can just sit in the corner. He's on a better contract. And I think Atlanta may may entertain a deal so long. We're going to have to sweeten it because they're not just going to want to buy us and that horrible contract straight up. They're going to want a few sweeteners, be that picks, be that a young guy. Uh, obviously, it won't be Maxi. I can't imagine it'll be Thibel either, but we'll just fi- have to find a way. Maybe bring a third team into it. But those are the two. I need to properly look into this, but those are the two that I would really, really like in Philadelphia to take that spot away from Tobias if he is moved in the summer, which I expect he will be. Yeah, fascinating. I think I'd, I'd love the sound of John Collins uh, on, on that team, especially given the uh, the history with uh, John Collins. Did he, didn't he wear a, a T-shirt with, it, with him dunking on Embiid in, in last season? Yeah, it was quite, it was quite a spectacular dunk 
if um, you're not a Sixer fan. It, it was really something. And he's yeah. he's got a bit of grit, he got a bit of attitude, mm. which is great. If um, well, if if he's on your team, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I mean, look, we, we've we've seen oh, Drummond and Embiid uh, get over their beef, and um, they, they seem to to work together pretty well this season. So maybe exactly. maybe, maybe we could see John Collins uh, in Philly next season. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but th- just to, to close off this this discussion, and we'll uh, we'll get onto some more general sort of league talk. And um, Theo, I'd just like to talk to you about Ben Simmons' back issues. I saw an absolutely uh, fantastic tweet um, and I want to make sure that I get your handle right, Ben. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. If you're not following Ben on Twitter, um, please follow him at... At UK76ers, that's UK, and then 76 in numbers in uh, numerical form. So 76ERS, so at UK76ers. Perfect, thank you, Ben. A fantastic tweet from Ben that said, uh, I didn't realize that not having a spine now means back soreness. Something along those lines. Ben, you could probably remember it better than me, but I, I loved it. It was great. Gave me a chortle. Very good. Um, Theo, Ben Simmons, you, you mentioned off air to me that Iron Eagle actually let it slip by accident that Ben Simmons has been dealing with some back soreness. Um, and now it has been widely reported by the likes of Shams and those kind of guys. Uh, does this set alarm bells off? in your mind or do you think this is something or do you expect it's something that Simmons can play through? I expect it's largely going to be a bit of something and nothing. Steve Nash, I mean, has been nothing but transparent so far this season with regards to the players' injuries. Um, That's entirely not true. That's sarcasm, in case our listeners can't tell. Um, Steve Nash has said it's something they're dealing with day-to-day as part of the ramp-up process. He's not played basketball in in nearly a year, so it's understandable that he's he's going to have these niggles. I mean, it's slightly concerning given that he dealt with with like a nerve impingement or something a couple of years ago, last year, last season. A reported of having back soreness was his initial issue, I believe, in Philadelphia um, when he initially reported to training. That was why he, he was uh, originally missing time in Philly this season. So how how credible do I think it is? I do think there is some, some credibility to it. I think there probably is that. But maybe at the same time, is this just a... a if, if, if for whatever reason... Maybe perhaps a lack of mental fortitude. Simmons isn't going to debut uh, before the Philadelphia 76ers game on March 10th. It couldn't just be ramping up for that long. If it, the Nets organization, they love a good ramp up period for for players who've been out of action. So, in previous to to this uh, back soreness, Simmons was ramping up. Return to competitive conditioning was the the official designation. He wouldn't be able. He wouldn't get away with doing that until for for another 10, 10 11 days till till March tenth, the 76ers game. So, whether they've given him a little like injury designation just to maybe relieve a little bit of the pressure on him as to for being ready for that 76ers game at the start of March. I feel like that wouldn't be outside the realms of possibility. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take the court probably not very long after that that 76ers game. As, as much of a shame as that would be, I'd love to see him. As much as I'd like to see our new big new look big three, big 2.5, take the floor together for that, uh, that 76ers game and, and really get one over on the 76ers because I'm sorry, Ben, but I hate you now. Um, I can't. It's not even your fault. It's not even your fault. It's that stupid <laughs> beardy rat. Oh, that um, could be me as well, though. I was going to say you're not offending our guest. Um, here, yeah. Right? Um, He's only. And honestly, you, you, you've got. <laughs> you. That's what it is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I suppose you've got just as much right to be uh, to, to be hating on us with the whole Ben Simmons situation. But 
yeah. I, I, do I think there's some stock to it? Probably. Is it going to be an issue long term? I don't think so. I think by, we'll see Simmons take the court by middle of March, I think. Um, he, if he's not, very if durable. Not. He's he's always been durable in Philadelphia, um, so I can't imagine it's going to... I think it's literally just going to be giving him time to come back on his own terms. I think that's all it's going to be. So um, I reckon he'll be fit and firing for you guys. I think Philadelphia game may be a bit too far, but I expect him to see him this month, I really do. Uh, Well, next month coming in March. Yeah, I mean, you can sort of understand that without, like we say, we don't want to get into any sort of potential conspiracy theories behind this back injury, but... Ben Simmons was was with his mental problems, which obviously we're not going to call into question, was were reported to specifically be related to playing in Philadelphia. That doesn't just suddenly go away because he's been traded to a new team. If anything, the, the response from the Sixers fans would be more vociferous because now he's on the opposing team. This is, you know, whatever he might be concerned about could be even worse. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I saw a tweet which was quite uh, thought-provoking. Because I think, you know, people are just like, oh, we're not going to play Philadelphia um, uh, in Philadelphia for the rest of the season. But then someone pointed out, well, what if we what if we get you in a seven game series? He's, would it make more sense to rip the bandaid off now and just have him play 10th of March? Because that'll be his first game back rather than it being in a game three, game four, whatever. You would rather him have any teething issues at the Wells Fargo Centre now than you would when it really matters. So that's another thing that I sort of want to point out. But the thing is, Steve Nash isn't going to say to him, we need to make sure you have get over the hump now. It's, mm. it, you know, he's a professional and you've got to expect professionals to, uh, you know, be able to overcome these things. People have played in far worse. People get called everything under the sun and then you just got to play your own game. But I thought that was a really interesting point, something I actually didn't consider. Yeah, I think part, part of the problem with, with this situation as well is that um, the Nets' performance team, particularly this season, when it comes to reintroduce, reintegrating players back from injury or any sort of lengthy time off, the, the, the competitive condition that the players have to return to seems to have to be like the full load of minutes. Like Kevin Durant comes back from injury. Oh, he's not ready until he's able to play 30 plus minutes a game. Same with Kyrie Irving, not played all season. If you can't play 30 plus minutes, we're not going to get him out on the court. Why these guys can't just come on and play 10 minutes 15 minutes just to, to get the legs back under them would certainly make a lot more sense I'm sure 10 minutes Ben Simmons getting 10 minutes in Philadelphia is going to do him the world of good like you say if in a seven game series he doesn't want his first time stepping foot on a court in, in Wells Fargo to be game one or yeah, well, it's definitely going to be game one. Game one of a, of a, a playoff series that's, that's far more pressure than he'd get in a, in a 10 minute stint on in the middle of March in it ultimately and probably a nothing yeah. game so yeah it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense and I'd, the the Nets performance team continues to to baffle and, and elude even the most hardcore of Nets fans so who knows what this whole situation is going to look like and, and what it's going to take to get him back out on the court in the near future There we go. That that was me. Hopefully, you can hear it on the microphone. Closing the book on the Harden trade. That that is it. We are, we are we are not going to talk anymore about the Harden trade for at least the rest of this episode. I'm sure Theo will have something else to moan about on it in next week's episode. Uh, we're we're going to move now to uh, like we say some more sort of general league stuff. Uh, the All Star Weekend has been and gone. Um, 
I think we're all probably guilty of thinking that the all-star break is, is halfway through the season. It's not, it's, it's like two thirds away through the season. So we're getting into the, to the part of the year where we can start maybe looking back and looking forward, looking back at some of the highlights of the season so far and um, some of the top moments that we've enjoyed um, and also talking about awards. So we'll kick things off with, with the big one uh, the MVP race uh, has taken, has, has, it's been hotting up recently. I think it's fair to say um, there's been three sort of lead candidates who have maybe established themselves a little bit ahead of, of some of the rest in uh, my preseason pick, Joel MVP'd, uh, the Joker reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic and uh, the Greek freak, Yanis uh, Antetokounmpo, hoping to get his third MVP in four seasons. Um, but DeMar DeRozan has been trying to get his cheeky little name into the conversation recently with some uh, incredible uh, statistical performances. Um, I'm going to let Theo, I'm going to let you uh, go first because uh, unfortunately Kevin Durant was probably a name for this earlier in the season, but you don't really have a horse in this race. Um, who would you have as your MVP at the 60-ish game mark? Now, if I was non-biased, I would probably say Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid is... He's been in the conversation more or less for the last three or four years, but there's always been an, a, a, an injury setback that's kept him truly out of the conversation come the end of the season. This is probably, I mean, I can't remember the last time he's played this many games uh, throughout a season. This might even be the most games he's played in a season, um, certainly in, in recent history. Um, so I think this year is his to the taking. And what really separates him, particularly from Jokic, I feel, is probably his, his ability on the defensive end I mean he's got everything in his bag offensively but he is a real a rim protector a real deterrent inside and he can guard the perimeter to a to an okay a well enough standard um so I think the fact that he is so far ahead offensively in a way that really only him and and probably Yanis are but and they can also do it inside as well I think was probably what um what sets him apart from from Jokic and I think Yanis there's still the, the element of fatigue there for for Yanis. I feel like for him to win it, it wouldn't be undeserved, but I would probably it'd just be boring, wouldn't it? It'd probably just be. But I, I feel like there's numerous other players who've got an equal case to it, and maybe that recency bias, that voter fatigue, is probably going to be enough to keep it away from him. So if I was a non-biased fan, I would say um, I would say Joel Embiid. However, you may recall I referred to Joel Embiid as a big baby. And I do stand by that statement. Uh, so I'm not going to say Joel Embiid. I'm actually going to say DeMar DeRozan because what he's done for the Chicago Bulls has been truly spectacular and no something nobody saw coming at the start of the season. I think the fact that he's not a big-name player or before the season wasn't a big-name player shouldn't keep his name out of the conversation. That shouldn't be held against him that he's um, he isn't an Embiid or a, a Yannick kind of calibre of player. But is he likely to play this well again next year? Probably not. Let's not rule it out. So let's make the most of it while we can. Let's celebrate the greatness that we're, uh, we're currently enjoying and give the man his flowers while he's here performing at this level and give that man the MVP. Wow. Call me Jamie Lawson because I wasn't expecting that. My goodness, that was uh, that was that was from left field there, Theo coming through with the DeMar DeRozan pick. Um, where do I begin? I mean, I, I would love DeMar DeRozan to win MVP, of course, but... Even even in my heart of hearts, I think I have to recognise that he probably doesn't quite have the statistical um, case, even though he is scoring at an incredible level. Um, you know, Embiid and Jokic especially, and even Yanis have just got the all-round numbers are, are absolutely off the charts. The 
the it, the sort of deep numbers that the deep dive numbers that they do all the vorps and they all of that kind of thing are, are absolutely incredible this is kind of historical stuff that we're seeing particularly from Nikola Jokic and I do just want to make a point because one of the things that seems to get brought up quite regularly in MVP discussion is is team record and kind of team seeding and I think that does come into it massively there's no doubt that if you're the best player on the 13th seed in the Eastern Conference doesn't matter if you're putting up 50 points a game, you, you probably shouldn't win MVP because how valuable can you be if your team is trash? Now, Nikola Jokic's team, by conference standings, are a sixth seed. Now, a couple of years ago, Russell Westbrook won MVP when his team was a sixth seed, and a lot of people have regretted giving Westbrook that award because his team wasn't that good. They were a sixth seed. But when it comes to actual record, the difference between Jokic and Embiid as present on the 27th of February is a game and a half. And Bede is a third seed. So a game and a half in either conference, considering how competitive, you know, the, the top of the West is just, you know, it, it swings and roundabouts really. So I don't really think team record has got something that's going to come into it this year as most years. So uh, all, all that being said, I'm sticking with my preseason pick. I'm going with Embiid. Um, yeah. Give me Embiid. We don't need to ask Ben. Um, I think it, this sort of just sort of sums up, doesn't it? The, the age-old question: What is an MVP? Like, what what do they mean by the MVP? The most valuable player? I think, for all intents and purposes, if you look at it in that sense, would you'd Jokic would have to make an incredible case for most valuable player because you take Jokic out of that Nuggets team and they are poo-poo. I'm, I'm sure I saw a record of something like one and seven, I think, without um, without Jokic this season. Might have been a couple. That was a couple of a week or two ago, so that's probably outdated outdated by now potentially. But yeah, they are they're woeful without Jokic. So the impact that he has on that team with his all around brilliance is really. Um, speaks for itself and I think DeRozan is is a very similar case he he is able to put that Bulls team on his shoulders and you take DeRozan out of that, that Chicago Bulls lineup or that roster this season are they going to be in the, the second seed at time of recording are they going to be in the home court column on the playoffs are they going to be even outside of the play playing like how much do they owe to DeRozan's success how valuable has he been this season you'd have to argue probably the most valuable um but that's who knows again. It's, what, it's, it's not the best player award, is it? So it's the most valuable. So there's much more. There's people who get paid much more money than I do to uh, to really dissect and uh, and and analyze these things to the bone. So uh, that's my two penneth on the matter anyway. And I'm, I'm sure Ben, you probably want to say something about that. Big yeah, I mean, as it, I'm sure it's no surprise. I I think it will be. I hope at the very least, it, and I think it should be uh, Joel Embiid. But you've sort of already sang his praises to an extent that I feel like I don't really need to add too much else. But what I would say with the with the Jokic thing is often is there has to, for whatever reason it feels like you're either one or the other. You're Jokic or Embiid. You can't like both. They're mutually exclusive. But Jokic is I, I love watching Jokic. I really do. I think he's fantastic, and I really do think like if you said to me Jokic, I would have been like fair. I really have no issue with it. If Embiid doesn't win it and Jokic does, will I be disappointed? Absolutely, I will. But will also be like, can I complain? No, not really. Uh, I just think, you know, Jokic's fantastic. Embiid's been fantastic. You've got two great centres. Some are better. Uh, Embiid's better, Jokic, um, better than Jokic at some things. Jokic is better than Embiid at some other things. That It really can be as simple as that. But obviously, you've got to really push for one or the other um, because that's how you get clicks. That's how you get ratings. Um, you know, so that's why ESPN do what they do. But um, 
you know, DeRozan, if I, could just, I, I love watching DeRozan. He's just, he's just such a, not a weird player, but just someone that's so amazing from the mid-range. Obviously, we, we live in a stat-driven league where you've got to take the most statistically um, beneficial shot, which is well, not hit, not the shots he takes, but because he's so good at them, they're like fair play. You can pull up from the free throw line. You can do all these things. And he's just so, he always fascinates me because I always think, how is it you can be so lights out from the mid, uh, from mid range, but you can't take a couple steps back and <laughs> be lights out from three. Um, of course, that's a massive oversimplification, but he's still fantastic. And I actually don't think he's been that awful from three um, this year, but um, he's been fantastic. He's been such a good pickup for the Bulls. And it, there was a lot of flack met with that signing. Um, I, I'm glad to say that I was one of the people that thought it was a good good sign, but I never thought I'd reach these heights. Um, and I think he's been fantastic. I think the Bulls been fantastic. Um, I I just think they've done so much right in these last year. And it's just be- it's good when the Bulls are good. The the, the NBA is good when they're good. the NBA is good when the Knicks are good, but the Knicks are so insufferable that you can let it let it slide. But um, <laughs> you know, the Bulls have just been fantastic, and I think DeRozan. He's coming up the rear. I would put it, you know, I think for me it's between Jokic and Embiid, but there's no reason why DeRozan can't make a serious push if he continues the way he is. Yeah, I love all that you're saying. This is, this is really is music to my ears. It's, it's absolutely incredible hearing this stuff. Uh, I appreciate you both. Thank you so much. Uh, I've not paid them, listeners, but uh, honestly, there's been no, you know, bank, bank transfers uh, made to say all this. But um, yeah, just to go back, obviously, what you're saying with DeRozan, I've I've not watched every single one of his baskets this season, but it's got to be in the high for being 80s, 90% of his baskets this season. I've watched it. I've studied what he does. They're trying to recreate it. I mean, I played basketball for the first time in about six months the other day, and it was just abysmal. Every single one of my shots was air ball, way off to the right, way off to the left. Just the the way he has honed his craft, and he's spoken about this in interviews, it it is incredible. But we we have to give respect to to the other guys who've done that. I mean, can, can... does any does any player in the league have as good court vision as Nikola Jokic at the moment? Is anybody in the league as dominant and just absolutely unstoppable in the, in and around the paint and stepping back for his little mid ranges as, as Joel Embiid? No. Is anybody as such a incredible force in the open court as Yanis? No. I mean Chris Chris Paul with his with the way he, he closes out games. All these stars are so incredible. It's it's an epic MVP race. And um, listeners, let us know your pick, please, uh, in all the usual places. Instagram, Twitter, at Met the Criteria. Who do you have for MVP uh, so far? Um, let's talk about um, what what's been your highlight of the season so far. Just generally uh, in the league, there's obviously been some special moments, uh, some historical moments. Um, this season I think uh, if you don't mind boys I'm going to kick things off I might be taking the low hanging fruit here Go for it. Um, Stephen Curry breaking the, the three point record I think is is a moment that I certainly won't forget in my NBA uh, fandom um, incredible to to be on such a, an epic stage as Madison Square Garden we all we've all, all heard all the talk about how amazing MSG is um, <laughs> Martin's probably um, crying into his uh into his traffic jam that he's, he's sat in at the moment, thinking about how how much the MSG deserves more than those New York Knicks. But to, to do that on that stage and, and and the way it was all leading up to it, Steph obviously hasn't actually been having that good of a shooting season. Are we going to remember that in five years' time when he when he's retired or 10 years' time when he enters the Hall of Fame or whatever? Probably not. We're going to think back and think, oh, flipping that. Yeah, Steph Curry, he, he, he did it the right way. He just he just hit those threes in, in Madrid. It, uh, all through his career and, and did it 
broke that record in MSG. Incredible stuff. So I think that's got to be got to be a highlight of, of the season as a whole uh, for me. Um, ben, what about you? Is there anything else that jumps out to you so far? I mean, from a, from a Sixers perspective, it would have to be the Harden deal um, because the whole season beforehand felt, you know, in terms of almost like you're in a basketball purgatory <laughs> because no matter how well Embiid does, if he gets 35 points per game and it's so entertaining, it's great, but it doesn't matter because we weren't going to do anything in the postseason. So now it feels like there's a bit of purpose to the season and obviously that hinges on that Harden trade and obviously for obvious reasons, that's why and that'll be my highlight. I mean, I'm from in a more general sense, uh, Clay returning is really cool. Uh, I thought, that, you know, how they did that, that was really fun. And also with the, I mean, I'm not a big all-star weekend guy. I, I, I really find, don't really see the, attra- I can see the attraction, but it's, I'm not going to stay up for it, put it that way. But what I did, really did like seeing all those, you know, everyone loves a bit of nostalgia. Everyone loves it when you see the old faces come back in, you know, in their nice suits. You saw uh, um, MJ, you saw Alan Iverson, Dr. J. And you saw some people who, you know, are very getting on getting on a bit. And they're, they're still turning up and everyone's all together. And it's just like, that's that's really nice. I, that was just really nice to see. Um, but for me, it would just have to be the hardened trade. It's, it's a boring one, I know. But that was, uh, it's, that's the creme de la creme for me. Oh no, don't worry. We appreciate that. I definitely can agree with you there on that one. But yeah, the the NBA seventy five. I mean, I, I loved it. Like you say, absolutely seeing all these faces coming out. But I was disappointed to see some of the guys who didn't turn up. I mean, I'm sure they all had the reasons, but to see you know them, and it, it was the way that they did the not turning up. It wasn't just a picture of them. It was, it was Tim Duncan of all people. Pippen and Tim Duncan just randomly <laughs> raving. So probably no one, there was probably like one other person in the studio as they were filming it. Crazy stuff. But yeah, um, yes, yeah, certainly the NBA 75 ceremony were, was incredible stuff. And uh, even some of the stuff behind the scenes of, you know, Michael Jordan telling Magic Johnson to get his shoes right now, we'll go and play one-on-one. And, uh, you know, in, in interacting with LeBron and Luca, it, it was great stuff. It, it really was. What, what a moment for uh, the city of Cleveland as well to be able to host such a, uh, an incredible uh, sort of uh, tribute to, to the 75 years of the NBA. Um, Theo, we'll, we'll come to you. What's been your uh, highlight of the season uh, up to this point? Well, I was probably, I would probably have said also uh, Clay Thompson's return. I mean, it's always difficult when any player comes back from a, a lengthy layoff, but to come back from two consecutive lengthy layoffs like that, back to back injuries, uh, is a real testament to his uh, professionalism, his, his work ethic, his, his willpower, determination, all that important stuff that often goes un, unnoticed really by fans. It's not really something that, if it doesn't happen on the court, you don't really take it into appreciation. But I've, I'm injury prone myself and in my entirely amateur basketball career, if I were to suffer a setback of even like a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, I'll just go and play basketball and I'll go and make myself worse. And in the end, you never end up getting right. So for him to be able to be sidelined for a sec for two years with serious injuries and come to work through those, rehabilitate those injuries is, it really is inspirational. Um, and for him to come back and play at such a high level, almost like he's never been away, really is, really is impressive. And it is uh, next time I, I feel like skipping out on uh, on maybe a bit of rehab or prehab in the gym, it'll give me the motivation I need to uh, to really power through. Uh, but Ben already said that, so I'm going to have to come up with another one. So my real highlight, and I wasn't going to say this one because I'm trying to be not less biased because I know people say that I'm the most biased fan in the league and sports person I've ever met. But the real highlight has been just how stinking bad the New York Knicks have been. <laughs> Hoo-wee! <laughs> what a treat that was because they were good last year and I was everyone was gearing up for, oh, they're going to be good again. Nope. 
absolutely bamboozled you, didn't they? They lulled you into a false sense of security, thinking, oh, yeah, these Knicks are the real deal. Nuh-uh. They're stinky booty. And they're proving it again and again. Julius Randle, most improved. Siri's getting involved. Even my even my watch thinks the Knicks are bad. <laughs> Julius Randle, most improved player of the year. Oh, yeah, Randle's a superstar. He's made the leap. No, he flipping hasn't. He's just had one good season. Now, hot mess. New York has one team, and they play in Brooklyn. So that's my highlight, just for watching the Knicks stink it up in MSG. And on the road and everywhere, just in general. I've just got that salt, salt intensifiers gif just, just going through my mind right now. <laughs> See, go, go through my head is that video at the start of the year, that first game of the season, that when Knicks won at, against the Celtics, hey, and you got all these people, don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? And it's just going mental. And it's like, mm. how's that going? They all thought Kemba would be some sort oh. of messiah, roll back the years, and he struggles to get a game. I know he's now injured, but it is funny. I mean, I don't hate the Knicks. It's just funny. It's just funny when they do bad. It, it, it just is. It, <laughs> they're one of those teams where you could just laugh at, and their fans. Look, we know all yeah. no lovely Knicks fans, but for every one lovely Knicks fan, there's 10 awful ones. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and there was me talking earlier about how people make narratives and generalizations. About <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they just, it's just funny. It just really is. Um, yeah, I can get on board with that one 100%. Love it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's been a, a bit of a great season so far. So many highlights to choose from, of course. Um, again, listeners, let us know what, what's been your. Um, Top, top moment this uh, that this this up to now in this NBA season. Uh, as we approach, as we say, sixty games in, not not long left to go. Uh, so uh, we're looking at sort of most teams have got around the the twenty game mark. Some teams a little bit less, some teams a little bit more. And um, we'll do a quick roundtable of of where roughly we think our teams are going to shake out through the the remaining schedule. What sort of uh, if, if our team is going to make the playoffs, because uh, I think me and Ben are probably safe, but we're not, we're not sure about them Brooklyn Nets, are we? You know, who knows, who knows, who knows? Um, yeah, let's just quit round table as to where roughly we think we're, we're aiming for in the standings. What is a realistic um, expectation for the rest of the way? Um, I think, I think I'll let, uh, I'll let Theo kick things off. Seeing as though we'll go, uh, we'll go from lower Eastern conference standings upwards and, um, so Theo, uh, Brooklyn Nets currently uh, in as at time of recording, twenty seventh February, thirty two and twenty nine. So they have uh, twenty one games left by my um, maths. Uh, the eight seed. Um, how much higher can the Nets go? What's going to happen? What do you reckon? It, honestly, it feels like bizarro world. That is me <laughs> making the, the petition for my team to make the play in. <laughs> if you said this would happen at the start of the season, I would have. I would have said you're clearly having a laugh. But here we are. This is this is real life. Um, I think the Nets will probably finish up in the seventh seed. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do to, to get out of the play-in. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I'm slightly more optimistic after the, the victory the other night against the, the Bulls. That was encouraging signs of life. But we've got a couple of... Sorry, against the Bucks, wrong BU team. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> encouraging game against the Bucks the other night... Um, but we've got a couple of difficult games coming up now without Kyrie Irving back to back in Toronto and a couple of couple of games at Barclays coming up. So there's going to be a, some work quite out. It's going to be a lot of integration to go on with, with Ben Simmons when he hits the floor and also with uh, with uh, KD coming back from injury. Uh, there's going to be, we need to get get things popping fast. So depending on how quickly Simmons come back, I, th- I think we should be aiming for, if we can somehow pull out like a, 
like a best case scenario, probably I see us going maybe 16 and five. That might be enough to get us into the into the sixth seed if we're able to, particularly if we're able to take a game off Toronto to, to win the tiebreaker um, on this upcoming back-to-back. That might be enough to see us into the sixth. But realistically speaking, I would be expecting the Nets to finish in the seventh and to be welcomed with a tasty first-round matchup against who else but the Chicago Bulls. That would that would be incredible if that's the way it shakes out. And what will be even more incredible is if this maxi, vaccine 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 mandate isn't lifted, Kyrie Irving wouldn't be available for for either of those playing games if if the Nets finish as a seventh seed, which is remarkable when you think about it. But um, will that will that go against the Nets? Probably not. If KD and Simmons are back on the court, you've you've got to expect them to come out of that playing tournament, no matter who they're coming up against or where those games are. Uh, ben, we'll come to you. Uh, currently, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, are, I think, beating the Nets by the last time I checked. Yeah, 115-107 with three three minutes left to play. So. Yeah, if, if you've noticed me looking to the of left course. every now and then, <laughs> it's that's what's Don't worry, yeah. mate. We'll, 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 <laughs> if it gets to a really clutch situation, you just holler at us. We'll pause this recording. We'll finish up when, it, when it's good. Don't even worry. But yeah, uh, It looks like a certain bearded fella's helping us through. There we go. So we, um, go. we should be okay. Um but yeah, I think with the Sixers, it, well, the Eastern Conference in general is just really volatile. I, I remember when we were the sixth seed and we won a two or three games in a row and then we're the, we were the first seed, I think, for a bit. And I was like, what, what's going on? It is, it, you can really, you, you, it's, of course, we want to look up. We want to look up to that second seed, that first seed, but it's so easy to slip down. It really, really is. Um, so I guess where we are now, if we're just getting that top three, I'm happy with that. That's what I really think we should be aiming for. And that's where I think we probably will be. Um, in terms of the matchups you'd want from that, and there are certainly the teams I don't want. I don't want Miami because Spolster is just, he's too clever. He's too, he's too clever. <laughs> he's, he will outcoach Doc. And you've got the Celtics who, they psychologically, they're in our heads mm-hmm. all the time. And, and they scare me as a result of that. The Nets would be so fun. <laughs> the Nets would be so so fun. I mean, the way that would still scare me though. At the same time, I think the East is just wide open. I think that's the long and the short of it. And I know you're obviously in the play-in, but I still don't see any reason why Brooklyn can't win the whole thing. It's it's so mental. Um, but you know, again, going back to the Sixers' perspective, it really is just. Keeping Embiid healthy because you talked about how many games he's played this season, which is, of course, absolutely fantastic. But there's something so scary about the finish line that all it takes is a little trip up and that's a season done despite the season being near enough over. So it's about keeping Embiid healthy. It's about winning the games you need to win and just staying in that top three so you can get that first, you know, you can get that home court advantage in the first round, obviously, and indeed the second round and a Mad, that means by the conference um, finals, if we got to that stage, we wouldn't have home court, but it at least gives us a good platform to really make a deep run. Yeah, good stuff. Um, as you say, it's a, it's an absolute. It is, it's been wild all season. There there has been a slight demarcation between those top six and the playing tournament. There's sort of a little gap that's opened up between uh, Boston and Toronto at, at this moment. But as you rightly say, a, a good week in the East and another team having a bad week, you can easily jump over those teams. So it, it, it's all. 
there's no point even basically there's no point in what we've just done in the last five minutes and predicting what's going to happen but it's just so you know it's just some fun content to sort of sort of discuss with each of our teams um i'll go next bulls second seed as at, at present two game lead over philly in third I, I honestly don't expect that to to last particularly the bulls have got a pretty difficult schedule uh, the rest of the way. Some really tough games. A couple with a couple with Milwaukee. A big game against Miami tomorrow night. Um, some tough road games in there. Still not back to full health. Although we've seen Levine sort of recover from his his recent knee issues. Um, so it's going to be a tough end to the season. I could see us probably maybe squeaking out. 13 wins as a maximum out of the remaining 21 games. That would be that would be best case scenario. I would expect a sort of 13 and eight ish record, which would give us uh, sort of 52 ish wins. Probably, I do see Philly jumping us, and maybe Milwaukee as well. Depending, I've not looked at their schedule, see how they finish. But much like Ben, really, I'd, I'd be absolutely delighted with a with a sort of even just a home court, even a four seed opening round playoff series would be. Uh, an incredible result from this season, especially considering the expectations from uh, the rest that most of the um, sort of fans of the franchise going into the season. Um, so that'll be incredible. As for playoff matchups, who would I like to see? I'd still quite like to see a Brooklyn matchup. I still think that'd be fun. I still think we've got some some good players to to uh, throw at the likes of Kyrie and Durant. Would hate to see Philly. Would hate to see Milwaukee. Beyond that, I I think most series are probably a bit of a toss-up, even the Miami series, although Miami have spanked us twice this season. Neither game have we been anywhere near healthy, so I think that'd be a fascinating matchup as well. Um, it's just strapping, ladies and gentlemen, for the Eastern Conference, because it is going to be an absolute awesome playoff bracket. Really, really good. I think it's crazy how the Heat are like top of the conference and then they're, they're making no noise. Like there's not really any buzz or any hype around the, the Heat. They've assembled themselves a nice little team this season, but they're not, no one's tipping them to, to make it out of, the, out of the conference outside of probably Heat circles. If you ask a Heat fan, I'm sure they'll probably say they're going to win it all this year. <laughs> but realistically, they've not, there's not not much buzz about them. Um, just related to, to what you're saying, Jared, about how tough the Bulls running is. Um, as per Tankathon, uh, com. The Bulls have got the third toughest strength of schedule remaining um, in the league, behind only Milwaukee and uh, and LA. So it's good news that, that Milwaukee have got a tough tough run in as well. Um, the Celtics, quite importantly for for a Brooklyn perspective, have the sixth toughest schedule remaining. The Miami Heat have the ninth. Philly come in with the eleventh toughest remaining schedule. Brooklyn, quite fortunately, in the nineteenth. So they have a, a relatively easy run-in compared to uh, compared to the divisional and conference rivals n- near about. So you never know. Maybe I was being pessimistic when I said we could finish seventh. Maybe we could sneak sneak into the playoffs proper in that succeed. But watch dish spice. There we go. Yeah, watch the space indeed. Um, what podcast in February would be complete without a special guest coming on? and giving us his predictions for the NBA Finals. We did pre-warn Ben, don't worry. We're not just dropping this on him now that we want a Finals prediction. But, you know, we, we might not see you again this season, Ben. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll have to get you and whoever the Western Conference representative is for a, a Finals preview, if that's if you're bold enough to pick your sixes here uh, this evening. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll give you your moment in the spotlight now. Who, who you got in this year's NBA Finals and in how many games? Well, I think it's... A bit too soon for the Sixers. Uh, there's a. I don't see why we couldn't win it, but I don't think we will. Uh, uh, that that sounds really counter. Well, against the thing what I was saying earlier, 
but I, I, I tried to be as impartial as I can with these. So out of the East, it's a boring pick, but it's just the Bucks. They they just seem just so astute. I know again they lost last night, but they just know what they're doing. They've got over the hump. They've they've obviously they're the, they're the holders. And I just think I just think they're really well constructed. Uh, not not to the extent that they were last year, arguably. Um, I know Brooke Lopez has been out. Um, has been out injured. I know Di Vincenzo. Obviously, he's been traded now, but he's sort of never quite got back to what he was. But Drew, such a good player, a really underrated player. Middleton does Middleton things, and Giannis. You know, we all know just how good Giannis is, and they terrify me in the playoffs. If we have to come up against him, I mean, you, you alluded to yourself, you you don't want to see him. And I just think they'll they'll find a way. Um, and then out of the West, <laughs> it, you want. Part of me wants to say Phoenix, um, but it'll just be the Warriors. They'll just it'll just be the Warriors. They're again, they're just so good. They're so well organized. You got Andrew Wick. If you can get Andrew Wiggins to be an All Star, uh, <laughs> on top of just having uh, Steph, or, or having Clay, having Draymond, you, you you're gonna get to the finals. And nine times out of ten, you're gonna win the finals. So I have Warriors, Bucks, and then I would say Warriors in six like it mm. i very much like it i think i thought you were going to go with the finals repeat which has become an, an increasingly popular take this season a lot of people have been saying oh it's looking like it's going to be the same as last year so i i, I like the warriors pick there i'm not sure i agree with it but i like it um mm. yeah we'll we'll get to ours on another on another day theo because uh, we, we've taken up far too much of, of uh ben's time this evening but we, we really do appreciate you coming on man and um, Thank you so much for for all your impartial takes. I think, to be fair, I think I think of of all the guests we've had on on Met the Criteria, I feel like this has been one of the most impartial. There's not been too much homerism here, so so props to you for that. Uh, before you go, tell the listeners where to find you. I know you've already done it once when you were um, doing a Theo and having a little bit of a of a coughing issue. Um, but yeah, where, where can the listeners find you? For those who do so, I am at at UK seventy sixes. So UK seventy six in numbers ers at UK seventy sixes. I also do a podcast with a guy called Sixes Bobby, but um, because Bobby has responsibilities, he can't always. We can't get that out as frequently as we'd like to. We are hoping to get that back very soon. That is called processing from the UK, um, where you know we're hoping to get guests on and in the playoffs if we run into a. Chicago-based team, or indeed a Brooklyn one, we may need a few representatives from said team. So hopefully, we can get you guys on if that happens to be the case. Um, I'm not. I'm not, going, I'm not going. Um, fair, no fair play. Way. Well, the offer is no always way. there if you want it. <laughs> I'll slap you under it. No chance. It'll be two sixes, one net. It's going to be just abuse from all angles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm not daft. <laughs> there was a YouTube channel, but that's unfortunately, um, that was a COVID thing. And then when the world opened up again, I realized I can't do that anymore. But if for whatever reason you wanted to check out my Game 7 reaction to the Atlanta game, that is up there. I think that's the last video I did. But that's all in my bio in Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's me. Um, UK76, that's the place to find me. And that's where all the links will be. There we go. Love it. Thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate that. Um, probably a good job Vinny's not here as well because it would have been well awkward inviting me on your podcast and inviting Theo on your podcast when there's no way, there's there's no point in having a Houston Rockets representative on the Sixers. Do you know, I, I, the first time I came on, um, which must have been, what, 14, 15 months ago, oh, one of the questions you asked me, I remember, you, I remember it quite vividly, it was, 
this is when Harden was still on the Rockets. It was, who would you want to pair with Embiid? And I said James Harden, and Vinny was just like, you're not taking Harden. And I was like, how, <laughs> how times change? He, he, we got there eventually. That's we got it. there eventually. And he, 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 he knew that so much that he ducked you and he's gone to South Africa of all places to stay away. <laughs> By the way, listeners, we know that Vinny leaves his house unlocked, so you can probably break into his house in Briarfield if you so desire and if you can track down where he lives. I don't know where he lives. Do you know where he lives, Theo? Sorry. Uh, I don't know, but I'm sure if you if you are able to track him down, he'll probably have a few uh, few Harden jerseys, Houston Harden jerseys, knocking about that you could probably uh, probably make off with. Probably get the collectibles them now. Don't make old school classic, so sell them. But yeah, no, it's been a great pod. We thank you all for listening. Please continue to uh, share the show. Continue to subscribe on whatever uh, audio platform you so desire. And that's everything from us this week. It's been Jared. Shout out to the boys. Thank you very much. James Harden, please do something. I'll tell us. Ben Simmons, do the second. Please, thanks. Yeah.